Welcome to Pedagog, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. In this episode, Annette V, Carly Schnitzler, and Timothy LaQuintano talk about text gen ed, teaching with text generation technologies, AI literacies, assumptions about writing and AI, and responding to AI in first year writing. Annette V is Associate Professor of English and Director of the Composition Program at the University of Pittsburgh, where she teaches undergraduate and graduate courses in writing and digital composition. She's the author of Coding Literacy, How Computer Programming is Changing Writing, and co-editor of Text Gen Ed, Teaching with Text Generation Technologies. She has published on computer programming, blockchain technologies, intellectual property, and AI-based text generation. Her current book project, Automating Writing from Androids to AI, examines why and how humans have sought to automate writing across history. Carly Schnitzler is a lecturer in the University Writing Program at John Hopkins University, where her teaching and research focus on digital rhetoric, creative computation, and the public humanities. Her current book project investigates what creative computation does to amplify and ameliorate social critiques of contemporary digital life. Carly's other refereed research and writing explores related themes of data ethics, authorship, and digital infrastructures and creative computing. She also founded and co-organizes If Then Technology and Poetics, a community working group and events series promoting inclusivity and skills building and creative computation for artists, scholars, and teachers. Timothy LaQuintano holds a PhD in writing and rhetoric from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He is Associate Professor of English and Director of the College Writing Program at Lafayette College. LaQuintano primarily uses qualitative research to study how ordinary writers adopt and adapt to new communication technologies. His book, Mass Authorship and the Rise of Self-Publishing, won the 2016 Computers and Writing Distinguished Book Award. His current research focuses on writing and large language models. He is co-editor of an edited collection of essays and assignments that helps college instructors teach writing with AI. And he is currently conducting a qualitative study of how writers adopt and sometimes abandon generative AI tools. He has taught courses on writing with digital media, science writing, authorship and publishing, and machine-assisted composition. Through Lafayette's college writing program, he has been helping faculty integrate writing communications into their classes for the last 13 years. Annette, Carly, and Timothy, Thanks so much for joining us. Your recent co-edited collection, Text Gen Ed, Teaching with Text Generation Technologies, contains resources designed to, quote, help writing teachers integrate computational writing technologies into their assignments, end quote. Text Gen Ed asks teachers to explore the past, present, and future of writing technologies and to consider the affordances of AI literacy. I wanted to give you some space to talk more about this collection perhaps its origins, and how you foresee teachers taking this work up. Thanks so much, Jane. Um, so this is Annette, uh, and um, I'm just really glad to be here. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of your podcast, and it's a nice space to talk about things. And part, you know, this is kind of related to my answer to your question about the origins is, of this, is that especially post-tenure, I've been really invested in open educational resources. Um, and I know Tim and Carly are also um, similarly invested. Um, and, um, and so when we kind of heard these conversations about, 
AI, you know, it just seemed like there's a real need for more open educational resources related to this. Um, but also, um, you know, for AI, Tim and I way back in 2017 collaborated on a piece where we talked about um, bots and automated writing. Um, and it was part of a special issue with literacy and composition studies on uh, political speech. And, you know, Tim and I felt at that time that, you know, kind of missing from that conversation was um, the amplification and the automation of bots in particular on Twitter, that they were really um, kind of shaping discourse. And so, you know, since then, um, Tim and I know each other way back from graduate school. We had the same graduate advisor. We graduated from University of Madison. And um, just the, like, we've had a kind of ongoing conversation about AI and, um, and automated writing and how that really shapes contemporary spaces of writing, which is, you know, kind of central to our research. And, and so as we kept talking about it, um, we were kind of thinking then about, uh, you know, how do we provide um, a space where all of these interesting kinds of assignments that are happening can be consolidated? Because, you know, a few people had published a few things about assignments or people would share things on Twitter or we'd hear about things. Um, but where could we consolidate them? And we started the um, the call for this uh, prior to the launch of ChatGPT. So, you know, we'd been thinking about this basically before everybody was thinking about this. Um, and so, you know, it happened to, to be good timing, um, but, um, but that was kind of the impetus for it. And, you know, Tim and I wanted to do this and then Carly had taken a class with me um, in the fall of 2021, a grad class. Um, about automating writing. And I just adore Carly and wanted to find another space to work with her. So it seemed like a really good space to um, to work. And also in terms of open educational resource resources, I can't say enough good things about the WAC Clearinghouse. Um, I'd work with them on another um, major project about um, a Dartmouth conference in 1966. I worked with Lindsay Harding, who um, really deserves a ton of credit for putting this together and editing as a um, somebody working with WAC Clearinghouse. And I just, you know, again, like these are all people who I loved working with and I wanted to work with them more on a kind of project that seemed really timely. Um, so that's kind of, you know, my take of, of um, what was necessary uh, for, you know, the questions that this project was answering as a, as a research and, and teaching project. Who did you imagine taking this collection up pre-open AI chat GBT? Was that audience different at all? I'm thinking back to the origins of this collection and what took place during that time frame with the emergence and popularity of ChatGPT? How did that shift the nature of focus and even the organization of this book? Yeah, I can take this one. Um, but I think we were we were imagining, well, a other writing teachers, other writing teachers sort of invested in sort of process oriented approaches to writing and teaching writing. And also, too, there is a pretty pretty like lively and substantial community of uh, creative practitioners and artists and teachers who have been using text generation technologies in their classrooms for like way longer than you may expect, especially if you're just sort of jumping into this conversation um, at the sort of chat GPT moment in time. Um, so the creative computation community is something that has been sort of nascent and around since like the 1980s, way before I was happening in academia. And um, and it's a community that is 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 really lively and bright. And um, so that was sort of it, why I was excited to join this collection um, with Annette and Tim and sort of 
one of the main constituencies that we imagined kind of taking taking this work up. In your introduction, you ask, quote, which parts of the writing process can we cede to AI while retaining what we value about writing, end quote. I read this as what are we willing to give up as writing teachers or writing studies as a field when it comes to understanding writing and what do we need to hold on to? So what's negotiable and what's not? I would love to hear you answer your own question and talk more about this question. Um, It is a big question and I want to give up bibliographic formatting. (laughs) If I never have to write another bibliography in my life, I'll be ecstatic. Um, I've been thinking about this and especially with uh, how I relate to my students and questions of whether or not this is going to make writing processes better, more efficient, worse. Um, We just don't really have the studies um, uh, to figure that out yet. Uh, One thing I would hate to see go is the kind of forced meditation that writing puts us in a position to do, right? And in two ways. Um, One, whether we do our writing sitting at a computer or walking across campus or in the shower, right? It kind of just forces us in some way um, to kind of concentrate our attention on a particular topic or a particular argument for a sustained sustained period of time. And likewise, if you look at the undergraduate curriculum where where I work, um, you know, there's also a period of time over the semester where students are not hopping from one topic to another for week to week, where they're they're kind of in a position where they have to consider um, developing an argument over the course of several weeks. And, and that's something that I would not want to see go uh, by any means. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I've been saying in workshops is that I think eventually what we're going to see is a fairly tight path that we have to walk to help students um, kind of augment their learning with these technologies without actively displacing it. Um, I've been working on another research project where I've been interviewing writers um, And there was one writer in particular who was developing a kind of uh, curriculum to help adult learners work with GPT to write resumes and cover letters. And he had been using ChatGPT extensively for the past several months. And he already said, I'm worried that it's starting to become a crutch for me. Um, It definitely greased his writing process. He said it made it easier. It eliminated instances of writer's block that he used to have. Uh, but he already felt a kind of dependency on it. Now, I don't know whether or not that will be some sort of widespread concern. Um, but, but you know, it's just, it's, it's an exciting time in the sense that we have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and I think, like, I'm comfortable sitting with some of that uncertainty uh, in ways that um, I'm not sure is always particularly common. I might want to add something to that, too, though, Um, in terms of the question, it's, you know, what do we retain and what do we seed? I think fundamentally writing is changing and it always has been changing. Right. Technology is like built into the practice of writing. It's been changing the ways that we write for, you know, certainly decades, but, you know, hundreds of years. Right. And so it's not it's not like there is a finite writing that is a static thing right um and so the other thing i think that this collection does and this is to carly's point about the kind of history for creative work in um automating writing too is that there's there's things that this kind of approach can add to the writing process um so it's not just automating things of the writing process that's that are already there but 
How does it, you know, are there ways for it to augment creativity? Are there ways for it to um, change the way that we think about audiences or to, you know, translate across audiences? That's one of the things that GPT does well. And actually Tim's assignment in this um, collection works with um, like reading levels and having students understand, you know, reading level translations. Um, so I think that's a really important question for all of us to think about as writing teachers is, how these technologies are shaping writing. And we don't, as Tim said, we don't have good answers to this, you know, right now. So it's it's really a space for all of us to think through it. Timothy, you alluded to this. I'm thinking about how conversations with faculty across the university have changed over the last couple of years, particularly with writing instructors and writing program administrators, and how as time has passed, there's been conversations I'm, I'm maybe more reluctant to have. For example, I'm interested in conversations where students are present in the room and that they're centered, their perspectives and understandings of AI and writing are are centered. I'm interested in hearing students' actual uses, perceptions, understandings of AI and writing, which based on my own experiences, haven't been as present or heard or visible in institutional conversations around AI. Oh, I just wanted to speak to the conversations I've been having with students briefly a little bit, um, because I think the student perspective is often one that is assumed to some degree. And I think actually being in conversation with your students about how they're using and if they're using these tools, like is a great first step. Um, I just started teaching in a new institution, and I'm teaching a couple of sections of first year writing class focused on uh, digital humanities um, uh, focus. And something that I've really enjoyed talking with them about is kind of inspired by an assignment we have in the collection, Mark Watkins assignment on establishing an AI uh, code of conduct or standards of conduct with the class. And something there that I was really struck by is a, these, stu- these students are using the, these tools or reporting that they use these tools like way less frequently um, and with way less regularity than I would have assumed. And B, there is also sort of like still a level of basic education that needs to be done around like the utility of these tools and what these tools can do. Um, So that's kind of what stood out to me initially. And then also, I think something that became really valuable in my conversation with students around creating a code of conduct for AI tool use in the writing classroom is um, kind of just straight up asking, like, why are we in a writing classroom when there are these tools that can write for us? And I was really heartened to hear students sort of articulate exactly like the goals that we probably would articulate as instructors ourselves. Things like writing is a process that like promotes critical thinking. It will serve us like in many other areas of our education. it's a way of finding your own voice and sort of integrating your own experiences and words, uh, things like that, things that like the rhetoricians have been talking about um, forever and ever. Um, so it was a conversation that I was a little bit nervous about going into, but it was it was one that I was really glad that I had. Um, yeah, sorry, Tim, go ahead. <laughs> the conversations that I've had with faculty have been all over the map. Um, I've had scientists say, you know, writing was an absolutely crucial part of me becoming a scientist. I feel like I've been practicing science for 20 years and I'm still developing my voice. I've heard I've heard a scientist say, man, I cannot wait until my writing gets automated. <laughs> so it'll write up my results for me. 
Um, I've had a law professor say, I'm changing the way I'm teaching because I'm expecting a lot of back of the house law to get automated over the next several years. And so I'm going to concentrate uh, on on other things and, and more oral components. And um, so I really think that there's extraordinary inconsistency and a lot of differing opinions across the curriculum now um, based on the conversations I've had. I feel like there's assumptions about writing and AI, for example, assumptions made. One assumption is that students are using technologies like ChatGPT or Google Bard all the time to assist them with writing done for class. And we should spend a lot of time and energy addressing these issues in our institutions and classrooms. But how much do we really know? What, what are the assumptions versus the realities? What research studies, past or present, should we be paying more attention to in this moment in time? And what do you feel like is absent from these national conversations on text generation technologies? The interesting part is that, I mean, in terms of the data, I've seen a lot of industry produced surveys that show there's rapid and wide uptake of these technologies among students. Um, and that's not jiving with all of the anecdotal experience or all the uh, anecdotal evidence. Uh, I've done a lot of workshops, a lot in liberal arts colleges. I've worked with a lot of students um, and very few students have integrated these in, as a kind of fundamental part of their workflow. I've talked with two or three brilliant students um, who are doing independent research and they did it primarily for coding completion. Uh, but there are a lot of students I feel like who have uh, formed a kind of adversarial relationship with these technologies. So I'm, I'm working with them to experiment with them. I have teach, I've, I've, I've read accounts of teachers coming in on the first day and their students say, yeah, I've seen it. I don't really use it. I don't know what, what it's good for. Um, and that, you know, and, and now we're talking about like, how good is our data? Where is it coming from? And, you know, anecdotes are anecdotes as well. Um, in terms of some of the best research, I've seen a lot of good stuff coming out of human factors. Um, conferences where they're getting really down into the nitty gritty of um, how writers are interacting with these. Now, they don't have the same kind of historical background to understand the evolution of writing as our field does. Um, they're, some of the studies are very, very narrow. Um, but in terms of experimental data, there are some good studies coming out um, that are actually showing kind of mixed results. Um, you know, in some cases they show writers don't rely on these all that much. They still like to retain their own voice. Other studies are showing, um, yeah, well, you know, writers will get lazy if they use these. Um, so it's not a particularly extensive body of work, uh, work yet, um, but it is emerging. So in terms of, um, students, I mean, I love that Carly talked about students and having conversations with students. I think this is one of the primary functions of this collection is that it gives moments and structures for teachers to have conversations with their students about AI um, that are, I think, generative, productive. I say generative. <laughs> but, you know, that it, it gives a space for, to, for teachers to have these conversations, even if they don't necessarily feel comfortable with these technologies themselves. And I think those conversations are really crucial because my sense um, at the research university I work at, which is a, you know, a really different kind of institution than where Tim is at a small liberal arts school, um, I gave a survey of students, uh, composition students in the spring, um, and my sense 
from their open-ended questions and um, and how they answered the questions are very similar to Carly's that, you know, they understand what the purpose of a composition class is, that they know that, you know, using these kinds of technologies are shortcuts and um, they're not doing the kind of fundamental um, kind of thinking that they know that this class is for. Now, whether that, fun, you know, influences their decision at 1130 at night when there's high stakes kinds of responses, whether that changes in a... Um, kind of a 19 person composition class, such as we have at University of Pittsburgh, where you have a relationship with the teacher and like all these best practices that we do in the field or in a class with 200 people or in an asynchronous class or, you know, an online class. You know, I think these are, um, you know, Shane, you asked about research that we'd like to see. I think, um, I mean, I found the survey that I gave to my students just fascinating. Um, and really important for understanding how our program should respond to this as a, as a you know, something that's shaping the landscape of writing, um, rather than just kind of pretending that nothing is happening, right? And so, and I think that it's really going to depend on everybody's local context. So, you know, more data on how um, students in different contexts, you know, how are they using um, AI in um, community colleges? How are they using them in you know, first year versus seniors, how are they using them? You know, there's like so many different ways that we can break this up, right? But the the research is really necessary and kind of wide open. Um, and um, and I, I think having conversations then too, you know, surveys, but also conversations about how students are perceiving writing and how their writing processes are changing and what they value about their writing process, I think is really important research that, that should be happening now. Annette, what were those surveys getting at and how did your composition program respond to to that information and data? Well, um, so this is one of the advantages of being the director of composition is I can I can give the surveys and then I can actually do something about the responses. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I did was basically share the responses um, in analyzed and digested form with instructors in my program. So, you know, we have um, you know, at least 100 instructors in my program. Um, and, and so, you know, to say like, look, these things, you know, for instance, when an instructor says, I don't want to introduce chat because I don't want them to learn about it, like that, you know, that horse is out of the barn, the students all know about chat GPT. Um, are they using it? Well, actually, you know, not so much. They, they seem to be right now using it more outside of class than inside of class. And that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, another thing that came out from the survey is students felt like it might make their writing process easier, but they felt like it might demotivate them to write. That's a really interesting response um, and that could use, you know, follow-up research. Um, but that's the kind of thing that I feel like, you know, I love the instructors in my program. And so, you know, what we've done is um, we also received data that um, students overwhelmingly want a clear policy of AI. And they want to be able to have conversations about it. So, um, you know, in the the assignment that Carly mentioned about Mark, Mark Watkins' assignment, you know, here's a space to talk about policy and then to implement policy. That's really important. So that is something I've advocated then for my program, for my department, actually for my whole university. Um, and um, and so it's really helpful to have that kind of data um, to say like, no, Pitt students specifically are asking for a policy so that they can do the, you know, right thing according to, you know, their instructor's um, perception of the composition class. So um, I think this is why local data is really important because you can get your own local data and then, you know, you don't 
there's different IRB um, regulations for that kind of thing too. It's a lot easier to send it back into your program and actually implement, like, here's what our students are doing, you know? Let's end here. Maybe each of you could take a moment and reflect on one chapter in the collection and share how you think teachers can take it up or how it extends our understanding of writing. Yeah. So you asked earlier, Shane, about something that feels absent from these national conversations around text generation technologies. And I sort of referenced it in the beginning of the conversation and and Tim and Annette have too. But it's sort of this it's sort of this new conversation that has sort of a long history attached to it. And some of the assignments that I am, you know, most excited to see in the collection and um, most excited to see adapted for future use are ones that aren't even necessarily using uh, LLM powered, powered tools, but are using some of these like older, potentially lower tech tools, things like, uh, like, Tracery and Rita.js and a variety of different Python libraries that do these sort of like lower bridge uh, text generation. Um, so Kathy Wu is a artist and a researcher out of um, the Brown Literary Arts Program, and her assignment sort of locates uh, locates our current moment of text generation uh, and, and AI and, and all of that within sort of a tradition of, of found art and cut up art. And it's sort of, it's it's a really awesome assignment because it's asking students to ask questions about authority and property and power um, as, as, as far back as like traditions that are sort of starting in the 1960s and before. Um, and it's sort of, really tracing a clear lineage from um, artistic traditions of the the mid 20th century into the conversations that we're having today around how how power is working around whose whose work is this really um, around kind of the ethical questions that that come up in those conversations as well. Um, so check out check out Kathy's assignment. It's really awesome. For my part, I really like the assignment by Alan Knowles. Um, and the reason I like it is because it's a bridge um, from a kind of beginner use of language models um, into a little bit more sophisticated use, but in a way that almost every writing teacher will be able to deploy in their classroom. Um, so it explains tokenization. Um, it explains few-shot learning and one-shot learning. Um, which are just kind of, you know, second tier terms. And if you've been in the space, you will have heard a thousand times. Um, but for writing teachers who are just starting out with this and just starting to work students, it's one step beyond simple, like, let's prompt this. It's okay, let's train this and then let's analyze the output. Um, he specifically uses a set of tweets to help train it. And then there's a rhetorical analysis done on the tweets to see what we could, what we could discover about how these, uh, how these tweets are operating. Uh, but I like it because it's a, it's a really good step from, you know, your first step into the space into step 1.5. Not too technical, but but somewhat technical. So it's hard to choose, actually. There's so many good assignments here, but <laughs> um, I mean, I can point to, um, for instance, Latrice Calhoun's assignment, which is one of those like kind of creative assignments. When I, when I answered earlier, like what are the extra things that this could bring to us in writing? And so she uses a kind of speculative frame where um, it's like spell casting kind of thing. Um, and you you can do it on your own and then you can do it with the AI. 
And there's a kind of creativity generation that um, that I think that it's like thinking with the AI and then looking at, and a number of the assignments do that. So um, in the rhetorical engagements section, for instance, there's a number of assignments that kind of point out, like help you understand how genres work or how arguments are working or whatever. But like if you have the AI do it as, um, as Calhoun is doing, there's a kind of understanding a little bit more about the process and then kind of introspection that happens with a teacher's proper scaffolding if they're using the AI, not just like as a way of um, kind of shortcutting things, but also to like, oh, look, the AI did this. Now I want to take it back and like understand why it's doing that and what does that mean for my process and what are the additional creative things that this that can happen in this way. Um, and so I think some a lot of the better assignments do that, but um, I mean, they're, they're all great, but a lot of the assignments do that. Um, and um, and I think that's a that's a particularly interesting take on that one. Thanks, Annette, Carly and Timothy. And thank you, pedagogue listeners and followers. Until next time.